I was a really, uh, believe it or not, a couple of you were here, but I was a, a real young pastor at one point, huh? Um, had a whole different look going on here. But I remember early on here at Grace, uh, I was privileged to go to a pastor's conference. And I remember a few people were with me uh, in, uh, I think it was Atlanta. So we're at this large pastor's conference. It's the kind where there's probably like a thousand people, pretty big deal. And uh, we're enjoying our time for one of the lunch times. Uh, we're in the big banquet room. And, and I remember sitting at one of the large round tables. And right next to me uh, was apparently one of the key people of this conference. I didn't know him. I uh, wouldn't have recognized him or know his name. But he was probably one of the guys that put it on. Uh, I refer to those as big dogs. All right. So here's a big dog sitting next to me. And he's with a couple of his guys. And I'm over here with our table. Pretty soon, um, a couple people walked up to him, a couple guys, probably pastors from churches that, that had prearranged to meet with him over lunch. And so they, uh, they come and, you know, I'm, I'm paying attention to our stuff, but I'm not going to lie, a little eavesdropping going on and, and I'm just observing this, this table next to me. Um, and the, and the couple guys come, they do their brief introductions and pretty quickly they sit down pretty fast, right out of the gate. I hear this big dog say, now, how may I serve you today? Honestly, that's all I remember about the conversation. I wasn't eavesdropping, but I heard that statement. I learned a couple lessons in that very moment that I'm telling you about now because it has stuck with me and has helped me. Uh, lesson number one in leadership, be available. Uh, be available. We're here to serve each other. Leaders are servers. Uh, we've talked about that through our study in Ezra, Nehemiah that we just finished a couple weeks ago. But I think the second thing that I learned that has great impact on me and, and with you, uh, and that is, this is why we're here. I don't know that guy's title. I don't know his responsibilities. At the end of the day, his job was to serve the people that came to this conference. And it wouldn't just be from the big stage and the big production. It would be answering questions. It would be helping in a way that uh, maybe someone else can't help, that only he could have answered. Uh, I love that statement. I've used it often since. I don't know if I'm known for saying that, but I'll be honest with you. It's in my head a lot. How may I serve you? If we have an appointment, if we have something scheduled to be together, we might start off with, so how, how may I serve you today? What's, what's on your heart? How can we get to the point? Um, and I love that line because it helps me know that really is not just good leadership, but it's really great Christianity. We're here to serve. We're here to serve one another. In a couple of weeks, I mentioned last week it was three weeks away. Today it's two weeks away. We have the big church uh, holiday of the year called Resurrection Sunday. Uh, many refer to it as Easter. And that's okay. Uh, Easter Sunday, two weeks from today. Um, special days are special. And I, you're hearing me last week and today kind of say, hey, let's stop and look ahead a little bit and, and be okay with that there's something big about Easter. Uh, last week, the invitation was to join me in praying for 21 days uh, for that day. And here's why. Not because there's a single event that we all look to so that we can soon look back to. It's because every Sunday that we gather in this room and have for a lot of years is because of that one day. That one day, Resurrection Sunday, when the ladies went to the tomb and it was empty, that day and that reason is why we are here on a Sunday morning 
honoring the name of Christ, lifting up our voices and praise to him, declaring the gospel, serving one another. It's a very important day, but it's also representative of every Sunday. So we pray for every Sunday. Uh, special days are special, and we need to not, uh, we need to not take, take the gas off. We need to not say, well, you know, it's a big deal for some, but I'm just like a normal person. Uh, you know, I, I assume most of you like Christmas. You know, there's something about Christmas that you like, be it the tradition, be it the family, uh, giving, exchanging of gifts. As followers of Christ, we all know that Christmas is what it is because of our belief in the virgin birth of Jesus. Uh, whether it was on December 25th, probably not. But that remembers a time when the Father had willed it for the Son to come and take on flesh and be among us. Very, very significant day. However, we celebrate it in a lot of ways. We do a lot of things to make a big deal of it. Um, they're not always spiritual. Uh, they're not always um, out of the Scriptures. But we celebrate a lot of activity because of the significance of the day. Much the same for Resurrection Sunday, your traditions, your gatherings with families, your, uh, the, the meals, the, whatever you do, and whatever we do as a church where we just simply open our doors and know that it's one of those days that people happen to come, uh, man, we just celebrate it. No apology, no holding back. And we don't want to ignore it. We don't want to overlook it. So Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is an important day. Um, it reminds me of holidays where, as followers of Christ, a couple thoughts, never forget the significance of Christian holidays. Never forget the significance of Christian holidays. Uh, enjoy it. Celebrate it. Uh, celebrate it as big as you possibly can. Don't be shy about it. Don't be modest. Uh, celebrate these Christian holidays. Uh, don't hold back. And the third part of this introductory thought is to make memories. Tell stories. Do things that are memorable. Uh, pass on traditions. Special days are, in fact, very special. Last week, I highlighted that Easter brings revival. Easter brings revival. It's a cause for revival. And by revival, I mean something comes to life. So it's pretty obvious. It doesn't take long to think the word resurrection and the word revival might even be connected. Uh, something coming to life. For the church, when we talk about Resurrection Sunday, we talk about Easter, there's, it's a revival. It's a sense of stirring things up. I mentioned three groups of people last week. Uh, for the Christian, many of you in this room, this is your home church. This is what we do most weeks. Uh, this is a season to rejoice and be revived. We renew the story. We think of, we remember Good Friday. Remember the cost of the cross. We remember and celebrate Sunday morning the resurrection of Jesus. So we kind of get into the story. We sing the songs. We read the verses. Things stir within us. We're revived. Second group of people I mentioned was the occasional attender. We talked about those people that might identify as followers of Christ, though they may not be with us often. Um, they're welcome. We welcome those folks that come occasionally. Uh, we serve no one by judging them. Uh, we simply welcome them into what we do every week. And it's also, I think, a revival, a, a highlight for the one who's invited. Uh, anybody remember the pet name I gave those folks? The not yet, right? <laughs> we don't tell them that. That's weird. Uh, but we talk about those that don't yet know Christ. 
They're outsiders. They, they might peek into church once in a while. You might today feel intimidated to invite someone like that into a religious room like this. They're the not yet. They're the who you were before you came to Christ. Just waiting for someone to say, hey, I value what this is, and I value you. How about you join me uh, for this service? Again, Easter Sunday, but clearly every Sunday. So Easter brings revival for those three. And the challenge last week was to prepare with prayer. And I hope you are thinking of that. Make a note to yourself each day to pray, obviously for the week, but, but for every Sunday as we pray for that particular week and those that will come. Uh, we have invitations today. We have invitations today. Give me a nod. Is that correct? Okay, we do. Uh, they're little business cards. I think they're in groups of five. Uh, they're available in the back. Grab some. Take them with you. I, I guarantee you, you know, you know five people uh, that don't have plans to be in a church yet for, for that Sunday. So grab those uh, and pass those out. Be prepared by praying. A significant part of this revival that comes from resurrection and from, from that Sunday is that we that get to do this every week are designed. We're created by God. We're designed to serve him and to serve his very purposes. We are on mission for Christ all the time. That's who we are. That's what God's plan is. So for that reason, this week I want to talk about prepare by serving. Prepare by serving. So prepare by prayer, absolutely, but then look for opportunities. How can I serve? How can I be a part? We simply need to say to the Lord, how may I serve you today? We anticipate remembering the pain and the cost of Good Friday, as well as celebrating the joy and the life-giving power of Resurrection Sunday. So today, because of that, I'm asking each and every follower of Jesus to simply ask Jesus, how may I serve you? What in my life can I give to you? How may I participate? How may I help you? The scripture certainly guides our conversation here in Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans chapter 12 is a powerful passage. Um, uh, if you're new to grace, I tend to be what we call an expository preacher. So I go verse by verse. And so whenever I reference a verse, I'm tempted to do that, but I won't today. Uh, I just want to hit a couple highlights and keep moving with our topic on serving. But in Romans chapter 12, this is the part where Paul has now for, uh, you know, he spent eight chapters giving some amazing theology. He spends three chapters, 9, 10, and 11, uh, dealing with some challenges that he feels and experiences for his Jewish brothers and sisters, the people who were not yet trusting Christ and seeing him as Messiah. And so he's given us a great wealth of information. And then he jumps into chapter 12. I think, you know, as he writes this, this book, you know, chapter 12 was a new morning. He finished writing chapter 11 the night before, had a good night's sleep, and he wakes up and says, I, I got more to say. What does God have for me? And he opens up in chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, because of all the 11 chapters, because of all this great stuff that we have in Christ, I beg of you, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, yourselves, your whole being, as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I like how in the, uh, I believe it's the New King James, other translations have the last phrase, which is your reasonable service. And it kind of links the idea that worship and service 
are the same. When we come to worship, we've come because we believe the songs that we just sang. When we come to worship, we come and we want to express these thoughts in our heart to a God who's, who's redeemed us and changed us. Well, that's the same word of my service. I want to now step into that and participate. I want to put my hands in here and say, God, I'm here to praise you by lifting up my hands, but I'm also here to serve you by putting out my hands. How can I help you? How can I serve you, Lord? What part can I play serving your purposes here in the body and in the life that you've given me? So Romans 12 begins uh, our understanding of what this looks like. Um, in Romans 12, uh, before we leave this, I want you to look down at verse number 9. And you don't have your Bibles open there. I realize I put the verse on the screen. I don't think verse 9 is there. So if you want to look there real quick, I just want to read a couple verses. In, in Romans uh, 12, verse 9, Paul continues and says, Let love be genuine. He's been talking about the gifting, what we have to serve each other. And he says, let your love be genuine. If there's one thing everybody outside of this room and throughout Flagstaff is looking for from you, they're not looking for religion. They're not looking for judgment. What are they looking for? Genuine, authentic, the real deal, show love. That's what people need. That's what they long for. So it's good to speak truth. It's good to look for ways to serve, but what they're looking for is show me. A genuine love, Paul says. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't that a great... Who knew that outdoing somebody was a biblical teaching? You think about doing is like, get out of my way, I'm to outdo you. Well, that's kind of what it means. Like, go overboard, outdo one another... As you, as you demonstrate love for each other and showing honor. Not, not false, not fake, not mere words, but honor each other. Outdo each other. Bless one another in these ways. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So this verse, this, this teaching of Paul in Romans 12 is, man, we're all in. God has done this amazing thing in our lives, and now we have a chance to put our hands in the mix and say, God, how may I serve you? He says, do it with authentic, genuine, heartfelt love. Here's what we see in 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, look, if, look and see if you can find yourself in this passage. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, the each one, guess who that is? That's you, that's us. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied, manifold, multifaceted grace. Where do you see yourself? Uh, we've each received a gift. If you know Christ, your life changed because he's come and he dwells with you. He's given you a new home, a new hope, a new purpose. God has changed you. You've received that. But you also see yourself in 1 Peter 4.10 uh, because we serve one another. Think about this. If the Bible says that we serve one another, that means you have been served. You've been served. Someone has blessed you. There are people in your path that have come along and blessed you and met your needs and said the right thing at the right time, put an arm around the shoulder, encouraged you, taught you, loved you, confronted you. 
We serve one another, which implies you've been served and you've had a chance to serve other people. It would be a good exercise to pause and say, how have I been served? What in my life? And when I think back, who are those people that have blessed me, that have spoken truth, that have served me? So we serve each other. But also the other lesson where you see yourself in this verse, our serving one another is stewarding. It's managing our, our, our best use of God's grace. What God has done for you, he intends for you to steward that and bless everyone you touch. And again, that doesn't mean show up with a really big Bible and yell at them. It means come alongside people, love them, serve them. How may I serve you, ma'am or sir? How may I serve you, young person? How can I serve you, grandma and grandpa? How can I serve you, my friend, my neighbor? He says this is a demonstration being a steward of God's creative, I like that word varied, God's creative grace. How you were blessed, there might be others just waiting for someone to reach out and encourage and teach and love and serve them as well. Each one is called to serve. Each one is called to serve. Sometimes in church world, we look at service as, well, that's a paid position, or that's like for really awesome Christians or people that really have nothing else to do in life. Uh, But I'm kind of a busy person. i got a lot going on. Uh, Each one is called to serve, every single one of us. You all know Ephesians 2.8.9. I know you do. Ephesians 2.8.9, a pretty powerful verse for us. Uh, is that on the screen, Ephesians 2, 8, 9? If it's there, let's say it all together. If you know it, here we go. For by grace, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God. Not of works, verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, right? We know that. That's an awesome verse. We've received that. Now in verse 10 that you see, this is the verse we often neglect. We highlight 8 and 9. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not about us. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 10 says, for we are his, what's the word? Workmanship. It's an odd word. We don't use that a lot. Unless you're in someone's garage and you see something they built and you say, oh, that looks like your workmanship. It's got your signature on it. You see someone's painting. That must be your workmanship. I see your signature on it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk, live, exercise in them. Powerful verse. The work workmanship, that word poema. The word poema, guess what that means? Poem. Literally a poem. We are the poem. God is the writer. Um, in English, we, that's how it's translated. This indicates handiwork. It indicates a masterpiece. Something special, not just something flippantly done off to the side and tossed. We are his workmanship. Um, God's church, you and I as a group, as a family, we are his poem. We are his workmanship. We're the result of him. We're the result of what he has done for us. Uh, just as all of creation, Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaim. All of creation says there's a God who made me. By the way, Paul's big on creation. Paul knew Genesis chapter 1. He, he references creation several times in Ephesians 3.9, 4.24, Colossians 3. Paul was understanding that there is a creator who made us. And if there's a creator who made us, that means he designed us. 
He designed us. We're the, we're the result of his uh, handiwork. He has done that thing for you. He is doing that thing among us. For what? For good works. The good works. The good works of verse number 10. Uh, Agathos ergon. Agathos ergon. That's a simple word for the good. That word for ergon in the Greek, that word for work, is simply the common use of things that we do. Why do I point that out? I think sometimes in Christian world we think, well, the good works, that's like, that's like Jim Elliott kind of stuff. That's like, that's like martyred missionary. That's like that person who does those amazing things and, and, you know, they, they, they step into every opportunity and they're just like really changing the world and they're just super awesome. No, this good works is the everyday stuff. It's the stuff in your life that happened today to get you here. You know, you just kind of do things. You get kids, you get kids ready. You make food. You know, you, you do things. You just, the common word, good works. God has created us, designed us to participate with him in the everyday things that need to be done good, well, of profit. It speaks of value. Peter confirms this in 1 Peter 2.9. He says of our identity, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So this confirmation is our identity in Christ that we get to demonstrate for others that thing that rocked our world. The reason we gather as a church is to be reminded that Jesus has rocked our world. Everything's different because of Christ. I live where I live, the life that he's given me. All that I have is because of what Christ has done for me, and it affects that. It changes that. We get to bless others. That's the heartbeat behind serving. We get to bless others. And we serve, by the way. You serve in your home. You know that. You're a witness for Christ. You're a light for Christ. You're a child of God in your home, uh, where you work, in your neighborhood, in our community, Followers of Christ, we're ministering saints for the Lord wherever we are. Today, I want to encourage you that as we gather, even in a church setting, we are also called to serve one another. So this morning, I want to do something I don't know that I've ever done or would have not done much, and that is I want to give a chunk of my sermon time uh, to helping us clarify specific some things of serving we are blessed at our church to have an amazing children's ministry. We call it Grace Kids. I'm going to invite Gabe and Caitlin. She's here. If you guys would make your way right now. I'm going to give them the microphone, and I want them to take for just a few moments. They're going to help clarify. When we say, when we talk about Grace Kids, we talk about opportunities. Some of you don't even know what that means, other than I think they need volunteers to do whatever that means. I want you to be clear as you hear from them and hear their heart. Um, serving our children is serving the Lord. Blessing our children is a way to take the stuff we're talking about and say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're calling me to do to advance and to promote this wonderful gospel. Gabe Gomez, our, uh, I call him the interim children's ministry director. Uh, we're like four years running on that title. Caitlin Russell, our children's ministry assistant. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to step aside, and then I want to wrap it up with my last point before we, before we sing. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Um, 
Many of you probably recognize Caitlin from our videos. She's our movie star. Uh, yeah. yeah. She does a great job with those. Um, and I'm usually somewhere behind the scenes, but, you know, uh, I appreciate Pastor Mark giving us this chance to, to talk about kids because this truly is, as a church, one of our priorities. You know, we want to provide an awesome children's ministry that the kids love to come to and they're ministered to. And this is a priority for our church. And so we want to really, again, be clear as to, well, what does that mean? And, and what roles and ways are there uh, for people to serve? So uh, go ahead and start that uh, first slide. Um, you know, here at Grace, just like Pastor Mark was saying, we believe everyone has a place to minister to others. It's one of our values that we're meeting the needs of each other in love. And God has given each of you a gift, and he wants you to serve him and the body of Christ. Uh, thinking about the families that come in, Grace Kids is meeting those needs. Uh, so that one, parents can come in and, and, and hear the word in here, but then also the kids downstairs are, are also engaging in the word and activities and having fun. And we get to participate in sharing the message of the good news of Christ. All of us. And, and that may be in just holding an infant or teaching a Bible lesson or playing a game with a kid. It can come in so many ways, uh, and in, in different areas of service. And so we're asking you to also participate in that, in sharing that good news. Um, and I want to ask you, do you have a place of ministry that you're involved in here at Grace? Today we're specifically talking about kids, but there's a lot of different areas to serve. And But this is, again, one of our more important places that we really want to have some time and attention and this would be a perfect place for some of you to step in and participate in that great purpose uh, that we're called to do here at the church. Go ahead and next one. Um, the mission of Grace Kids is for the kids and the volunteers to, one, uh, help develop and know Christ personally, to develop that relationship, to, to know who God is. It's kind of our form of worship to God and in celebrating him knowing him, having that relationship. And volunteers and kids both get to participate in that as they uh, are in Grace Kids Ministries. Uh, grow in the word and knowledge of God. Uh, you, as are you're exposed, even though it might be a little two-minute story that you read to some preschoolers, you're, you're growing in that knowledge. You, you, you get to hear the word. The kids get to hear the word. They get to hear about Jesus. And that's one of our purposes. We want them to be exposed to who God is, who Christ is, and what he's done for them. Uh, that also is a form of, of worship and, and discipleship, learning about Christ. Uh, volunteers get to teach kids to, to serve, just like we're asking you to serve. They can serve, whether it's they go around the, 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 the commons downstairs and pick up some trash or how they might help their parents at home. Uh, they also are encouraged to share their faith. They're taught about, you know, evangelism, sharing who Jesus is with their friends and family at home. And so, again, there's, there's these things that are taught and encouraged. And, of course, we don't want to forget that Grace Kids Ministry is all about fun. We get to have fellowship with each other. They, they get to play games. I saw some, 
some, looked like some relay race materials downstairs today. It looked like the kids were going to have a lot of fun. And we want to make that. We want kids to come and be excited to, to, to participate and hear about what we're doing. That's why I work with children and not up here on the stage. Um, <laughs> as a part of Grace Kids, we have the privilege of delivering the gospel to these kids. We're meeting the needs with love and growing in our own faith. I can't tell you how much more I retain um, of God's word when I have to teach it and show it to someone. It sticks with me. Um, and so it's been a huge part of my own personal faith and growing in my relationship with Christ to be able to teach others about this as well. And this is your personal invitation to join with us. Guess what? No experience necessary. <laughs> Just got to love Jesus. Um, some people have come to us and have told me, I can't serve. I've never been a teacher. I don't know the classroom experience. We don't even need that. Um, there's you on the job training and you kind of um, grow as you go. And so you don't have to have any experience with kids. Um, your love for Jesus and passion for serving is all that we would need. These are our areas that we have right now. We have our zero to two year old class, our nursery and toddlers, and they're upstairs. Um, we have our three to five year olds downstairs all corralled nicely, um, <laughs> which is a big, big thing. Um, six to seven year olds class, eight to 11 year old class, which is also downstairs. You can see a picture of our cute little check-in workers there. Um, check-in is also one of our ministries um, that we have um, to serve for Grace Kids. A lot of people are like, well, what does it mean? What do you expect of me? What is this going to look like before I even, I, just, I need to know. Um, here's a little bit of a breakdown of what each area in our Grace Kids kind of looks like. So for our check-in team, they arrive around 9 a.m. to get our check-in stuff ready so that our volunteers can get their name tags and are ready for families who show up. You get to be the first face that families get to see. And it's a really fun opportunity in check-in to get to meet the families of our church and um, the, the first person, the friendly face that they get to see. And you get to learn a lot of people's names and see them later on through this check-in. So I really like this ministry part. Um, you help them check into their class, the kids, and step-by-step -step instructions are required are in there. You do not have to be a rocket scientist for the check-in team. No degrees in technology or anything. It's pretty self-explanatory and detailed instructions. Then we have our helpers in each of our areas. You arrive early to help set up. We get to help the lead teachers assist in anything they have planned for the day. And familiarizing yourself with the Bible story. Just recently, we had a Bible story on Isaac and digging wells. And one of our helpers had actually dug her own well and was able to bring that personal experience um, to tell her kids about it. And so that was really cool because she had checked the Bible story ahead of time. So having fun, that's a big one that he kind of touched on as well. And then helping tear down the classrooms afterwards. This is even a shorter amount of time once we're in our new building and we don't have to set up our own walls and take anything down. So woohoo for that. Um, the area that we need the most helpers in right now is our six to seven year old class and our eight to 11 year olds. So if you are thinking um, of an area you'd like to serve in, I highly recommend there because that's where we're in the most need is just helpers for those kiddos.
Um, we also have junior helpers, all the same responsibilities, but age 12 to 17. We wanted to just give a shout out to those people. If you like to have fun and you like to tell people about Jesus, we'd love to have you. So ages 12 to 17 can come and serve. We've actually had personal requests from some of our lead teachers to have some of those young, high-energy people in their classroom. So if you've been thinking about a place to serve middle and high schoolers, um, come check us out. Lead teachers. Um, the lesson plans and the ideas are provided to you online, and you have them typically a month in advance. So you can look at when your turn is to teach and get to have all of that at home and looking at it online. We prepare the copies for you, and we have all of the materials, um, so you don't have to go out and buy your construction paper for the craft you want to make or anything like that. We have most of those supplies for you. Um, you get to prep your lesson about 30 minutes, um, 30 minutes and, and more to prep your lesson for that week. Um, you arrive early on Sunday to help your helpers um, set up your classroom. You can assign your duties. Hey, you're in charge of the puzzle group this week, or you're going to help with the game. And uh, again, you get to have fun too <laughs> as a lead teacher. I have had so many fun just planning things that I know the kids will love and the looks on their faces when um, they can tie their Bible story to this fun activity they just did. Um, and then cleaning up after. What does that look like for commitment? Ideally, we would love to have a once a month uh, schedule where we are serving on your week once a month for these classes um, up to three every three weeks um, of a three-week rotation. If you think about that um, from a different perspective, if you're serving every three weeks, you're only seeing these kids 18 times in one year. It's 18 days that you're only getting to share Jesus with them. And once a month is only 12 times. So if you look at it from that perspective, it really doesn't seem all that much. But we do have flexible scheduling. People get sick. Things change. Plans change. Um, events. You're going out of town. So there's always opportunities like, hey, I'm, I was scheduled here. Can I switch it with somebody else? And so we have lots of that availability as well. And we typically schedule three two to four months out. So you can kind of look ahead and request off work if you are working on a Sunday. Or, hey, I know that I'm committed to this Sunday, so let's go out of town this next week. So that you kind of have a heads up of what that looks like and not week-to-week -week schedule, like, am I on next week or not? You should know about three months in advance. Now, I know you're all busy. We all have a lot going on and things that we're doing. Um, and, you know, this is something that you make a commitment, but there are value and benefits to you when you do volunteer with this. What do you get out of it? I know that doesn't seem like the Christ-like thing, right, of uh, being, uh, well, what do I get out of it? And, uh, you know, there is value in this. Um, first of all, I don't know. So some of you that do know me for a while, I used to be a teacher. I taught for 17 years. And uh, the scary thing on the first day of going into class is like, do I know enough? Well, the best way to learn something is to by trying to teach someone else how to do it. So you develop your own personal spiritual spiritual growth. Uh, we talked about how no experience, whether you're you've been a Christian for 25 years or a few months. Again, this is a great way to learn the scriptures and to get familiar with it when you have to think about, how do I explain this to a five-year-old 
or an eight-year-old? How can I have that conversation? It really does help you, even yourself, learn these things. Um, you also get to participate in discipling other kids in their spiritual growth. You help these kids that are coming into your classrooms uh, and, and get, help them to learn it, help them to hear the word, and they get to grow in their faith, and you get to be a part of making a lasting impact on someone's life, an eternal impact. Where else can you have that kind of a, an impact in someone's life? You get to be a part of that when you help in children's ministry. Um, and in sometimes we even have the opportunity where kids are being led to Christ in there. You know, you think about the, the seed being watered and tended to and, and, and the plant growing and, and sometimes you get to participate in that harvest. Several weeks ago, one of our preschoolers approached one of our teachers and, and they said, I want to receive Christ. And they got to be a part of that. Isn't it awesome? I, I hope all of you get a tinge of excitement when you hear that kids are coming to Christ downstairs. Right? That, isn't that what we're here for? Absolutely. It's amazing. And you get, and imagine if you get to be a part of that. You know, it's, it's amazing. You also get to know other people in the church. You get to know the helpers and workers and, and everybody. We're all serving together. There's a reason we have community in the name of our church, because we're doing this together. Now, some of you, I can already probably see, when I, we start talking about Grace Kids, you might have just like totally tuned out. Should I make you raise your hands? If How many of you tuned out? You're like, oh, no, I shouldn't be allowed near children. Um, well, you know, they're, they're pretty, uh, they don't break that easily. Um, and I want you to really open your mind as to what does a Grace Kids volunteer look like? Uh, it can be anybody. A few years uh, before I came to know Christ, I was sitting with some friends that were believers, and I said the words, oh, Christians, yeah, Christianity, that's cool, but it's never for me. Now, all these years later, here I am working for a church. And so some of you might have that same thing. Eh, kids, I don't know. But you know what? When you open your heart and your mind to it, you never know how God wants to use you. Because our volunteers can look and come from any background. We have people that are full-time workers that, again, I know you're busy during the week, but they set aside the time to do this once a month or every couple weeks. Stay-at-home moms, you might be homeschooling your kids. Guess what? You are an experienced veteran teacher that could be used in the classroom. Uh, dads, you're not free of this either. You know what I mean? If you have kids, you are more highly qualified than anyone else. It's all good, right? Dads, we, we, we need guys in there. Young guys, young men, we've got some college-age guys that are helping. We've got some younger guys that are in middle school and high school. And it's and it, it brings a great presence to the classroom. Sometimes we do need someone to be the enforcer, uh, you know, uh, but out of love, I'll, I'll say that, enforce with love. Um, but we also need the gut, people that are willing to roll around and have fun and, and take the kids into the gym and run them until they're tired. I'm sure their parents would love you for doing that. Okay. Uh, 
young, old, if you're a high school, middle school student, and you can even double dip if you need hours for National Honor Society or something like that, you can come and use this as volunteer time. And again, we need your energy. Um, so really, there's, there's not anybody that God can't use. No matter where you're at in life, no matter how busy, God can use you in a lot of ways. Okay? So I hope that some of you are really thinking about this. And we want to make the next steps easy for you to, to, to step in and participate. At first, it's going to take your initiative to take that step in faith and serve our kids. And just be willing to say, you know what? I'll, I'll try. I'll give it a try. After service today, we're going to be in the back, uh, Caitlin and I, and also some of our teachers. So if you have any questions, you can come and ask and, and get the perspective of what it's really like. Uh, you can ask us any questions you might have. And we'll ask you to fill out an interest card if you want to sign up to observe for a Sunday so that you can come in and you can go into one of the classrooms and check it out and see see what it's like and see that they do not just, you know attack you or anything like that. It's all fun. Uh, it, it, you get to see what it's like. And I want to make this clear that it's okay to try a few things. No one's going to judge you if you're like, mm, preschoolers are not for me. Let me try a different age group. That's completely okay and understandable. Uh, we want you to find a place that you love being in and, and you're happy to be in. We've had many people that have gone through and they've tried every single classroom and check-in because they want to find their place to serve, and that's okay. We want you to try to do that. Uh, once you take that next step of you're like, you know what, I'm in, we'll have you fill out an application, and we do background checks to, to make sure we want safety to be a priority with all our workers and for the kids. Um, and again, we train people. We will have a training in May for any a new orientation training for anyone that's doing it so that you ha you're equipped to go into the classrooms and help out. Okay? So this is exciting times. We want to build on this momentum because... God's working. It's been, we've been trying to be patient. You know, it's it's been a little heartbreaking for us. Uh, our current schedule, we've been doing a full class uh, only on the first Sundays of the month. And it's hard when families come in and we don't have a program for them. And a lot of this is due to effects of pandemic and so on. But But we have a bunch of great people that are loving on the kids. And we want to do this all the time. So right now, I, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I don't doubt God at all that He's going to bring some people to us to help, and we're we're making the commitment right now that we want to fully open our whole Grace Kids program starting uh, this summer in June, where the six and eleven year olds that are downstairs right now that we're going to be open for them every Sunday starting in June. Okay, this is good news. Uh, we haven't had this for over two years. Too long. Okay, and we want to do that. We want to we want to serve the families that are coming into Grace. So we're going to have a Grace Summer Kids program that's going to look a little different than what we normally do uh, for those six to eleven year olds. There's going to be a lot of fun activities. We're going to still do our Bible stories and our worship. So please be looking forward to that and be praying for us that we'll fill in some more of those helpers that we need and teachers so that we can have an awesome program for our kids. 
Another thing to look forward to this summer is we are going to do another vacation Bible school, week of July 17th. I know some of you have uh, been asking about that. Uh, some of you might want to help with that. You can talk to us after uh, the service as well. Uh, and we've got places for you to help with the Vacation Bible School. And again, it's a way that we're inviting community to us where we can share the gospel and help them find a place to belong here at Grace Community Church. And then we're looking forward to the fall with our fall kickoff where we will go back to our traditional classes and we'll be full, fully open uh, starting in August. And we want to hit the ground running when school starts and, and everything there. So there's a lot of awesome things to look forward to. I'm, I'm sure God is speaking to some of you right now. And we ask you to just, again, take that step uh, in moving forward and and serving the kids, finding a place to serve. And if Kids is not the place. There's a lot of other places that you can belong. Okay? Well, we thank you. Uh, we're all set, I believe. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us. But again, this is a, a, a top priority that we really wanted to let you know exactly what's involved with putting on Grace Kids and invite you to be a part of it. All right. Say thanks to Thanks, Kate, Pastor Mark. For their good servant leadership there. That's awesome. Uh, the Bible tells us in Colossians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You know this. Now we, everybody say, now we, are the body of Christ. And individually, members of it. So we're all in this together. There's no us and them. There's no like, hey, I got this thing and they got that. No, we all get to be a part of the body of Christ. It's one of the beautiful things that Jesus did when he left us the churches. He didn't just save you and say, go home and I'll see you in heaven. He said, I'm going to put you with other believers. And you get to learn to do life and serve one another. So we are the body of Christ. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, and we do a lot, as Gabe mentioned, a lot of activity, a lot of things that keep us all busy. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for just for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I love that because everything we do when we say we're serving each other is serving him. You guys get that? Anytime we love and, and, and take care of your neighbor, bless your kids, reach out to someone. As followers of Christ, we are doing that redemptive life that we saw in the video. We're stepping in and saying, God, I want to be a part of your work. We're serving him as we serve one another. As Gabe mentioned there at the end, the encouragement, obviously we're highlighting the need for, for grace kids, but it's to find your place, to find your place. Now, find your place at grace. Uh, and I say that because of grace, because of what Christ did for you, I can be a part of helping him. You, I think we all sell ourselves short on the idea that God can use you, wants to use you, designed you to be used and bless someone else. Uh, we all have this sense, sense of modesty of like, well, God doesn't need me. I don't have much to offer. All of us have something to give. There are people, I honestly believe this, there are people uh, in line waiting to be blessed as you and I step into opportunities to let Christ work through us to bless each one of you. So I've asked each of you to pray for these next couple of weeks specifically. And now I'm asking each of you to simply say to the Lord, how may I serve you today? What can I do to serve you? 
uh, as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday, we're valuing and preparing for each and every Sunday. So you've heard opportunities. They'll be at the back table afterwards. AZ-127, orientation, understanding, tomorrow tomorrow night at uh, 6 p.m. Right after this service, we're going to close with a worship song here in just a second, if you guys want to make your way. After this service, we want to welcome all of our guests. We normally have a, a gift for you at the back. We have that, but we want to take an extra couple minutes. We have some refreshments, some coffee. If you've been a guest today or in the last few weeks, we do this once a month as a way to kind of say hi and get to know you just for a couple minutes. We won't keep you long, but we enjoy doing that as well. So thanks for your patience today. Let me pray for us, and then they're going to lead us in a song, and we'll be finished. God, thank you for the great work you're doing. Uh, thank you for the ministry of our Grace Kids and many other areas. Lord, I know that we have a lot of people that serve you here. I'm so blessed, so thankful. I think our church has a very high percentage of people that have stepped in and said, we want to serve, uh, whether it's through Grace Kids or other opportunities. So, Lord, thank you for that. And you know our needs. You know our desire to serve you with all of our lives. I pray your blessing on each one. Thank you for your word, and now receive our worship as an expression of our love to you. We ask this in Jesus' name.